branches. So glad you're here with us this morning, family. Uh, want to thank you so much for the ways that you've been faithful in giving to this church family through your offerings. And I just praise the Lord for you and I ask you to continue being faithful. You can give via cash or check at the box, the offering box on your way out the door or with any of the digital options that you see on the screen, including branchesvineyard.org slash give, where you can set up reoccurring giving. A couple things coming up. We have um, our family Sunday next week, and next week that means that B-Kids is taking over our service. It's going to be really fun. The kids have been practicing and planning some surprises for us. We're really looking forward to it, so please prepare to come to that. If you have kids, definitely don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be such a special day for us. And then also, we've been advertising an area men's conference at the Vine in Goshen. Um, But unfortunately, the main speaker, uh, Phil Strout, was unable to come because of some health issues. He's had to back out. So they've just switched the format to something simpler. It's going to be a men's breakfast now, which is good in a lot of ways. It's cheaper. It's a little shorter. And um, just I think it'll still be a really good time of connection. So... If you already signed up for the conference, we'll work on getting you reimbursed for that. If you haven't signed up for any of it, please plan to go to this breakfast and carpool with a couple guys from branches. It'll be a fun morning, spend a little time together, and it'll um, just be simple. Uh, We also have a child dedication coming up on Sunday, June 12. So if you have a child that you have never dedicated to the Lord, uh, we would love for you to sign up on Church Center or at branchesvineyard.org slash events to um, be part of our child dedication service on June 12. And we would love for you to sign up for that as soon as possible because we also uh, like to present a gift to your family and we just want to make sure we've got everything in order for that. Okay, let's get into our message. We're in the second week of our Under Pressure series. And this series is about the pressure we've been under in this sort of post, is it post-pandemic world? So many questions. We're under pressure because a lot of stuff happened during the last couple years that have changed our world and changed us. Some of it was good. Some of us realized we were living at a hectic pace and now we're trying to figure out how to stay slower and more peaceful. Some of it was not so good. For many, many people, our anxiety kicked up a notch or 10, and we haven't figured out how to calm it down since then. We just sort of always have a stomach ache, you know? And we, maybe we became aware of the fact that we even deal with anxiety for the first time in the last couple years. And it's good that we're more self-aware, but a lot of times we don't know how to deal with it. So if, if you feel like the pressure has turned up in your life and you're more anxious or worried than you've ever been, I'm hoping to explore this idea today. We can move from anxiety to a more embodied faith. You may be like, what? Okay, we'll unpack it, all those words, what they mean. First of all, this isn't a TED Talk or a therapy session. It's a sermon. We're going to talk about anxiety and emotions using the Bible, talking about Jesus. I've also drawn a lot of wisdom from Kelly Fabian's book, Holy Vulnerability, 
I would love to lend that out to anybody who wants to read it. It's excellent. And Jeff Holesclaw has a podcast called Embodied Faith that I also uh, listen to and receive a lot of wisdom from. And I want to talk about this because it's been a really long journey for me out of the way that I was taught to believe about my body and my emotions. And if you grew up in a similar environment, you might have received similar messages. And my story is unique. I grew up in a really unique church with a really unique family situation. And so my story might be different than yours, but I bet you picked up some of these things. So I was kind of taught that um, anything spiritual was good and anything physical was like neutral or potentially bad, including my body. And so my body was either neutral or bad because it could be used for sinful purposes. And worship was bodily. Like I've always been in churches where we do this during worship and engage our body. And I love that. That's so important to me. And that was given to me as a value as a child. But that was really about the only point of connection between my body and God. I was also taught that my heart was deceitfully wicked above all things and that my brain was not really trustworthy. And so I, if I felt feelings, they weren't really to be trusted because the only thing that was real and mattered was what the Word of God said and, you know, uh, what the Spirit of God was saying to me. And so all of that led to a sense of being disconnected from my body. And I was taught that emotions were maybe okay, but they always had to be like, firmly under the control of my will, ruled by the Spirit, so that I don't sin. And, and a really unique family setting that I was born into made me feel like emotions were not good to express. That wasn't taught by my church, but in my family situations, it wasn't good to express your emotion. So what I've been slowly unraveling from all of that was that everything I was taught made me feel detached from my body and from my emotions, like disintegrated. Maybe you're like, wow, you freak, go to therapy. Why are you talking to us? Maybe you didn't have that experience at all. So if not, cool. But this was my experience, and maybe you can relate a little bit. I was loving God with all of my heart and mind and soul, But most of my emotions directed toward God were supposed to be positive. And when I had a negative emotion, I didn't know what to do with it. And so I shoved it down. And I got so good at doing that, that after a while, I didn't feel anything at all. I didn't notice any anxiety in my body because I got really good at filtering it out from my awareness. It doesn't mean I wasn't there. When I was 18, I got TMJ, and I couldn't open my mouth all the way for about six months. But I didn't notice it until that happened. But what I'm learning now is that when I let anxiety have its way in me, and then I distract myself to avoid my emotions, I'm also keeping Jesus out of those parts of myself. The Holy Spirit can't get to work in my emotions and make me more healthy and whole if I'm not willing to go there. Because God doesn't want me to love Jesus with just my mind or my heart, but with my whole being. 
And that's not really a new idea. We have lots of worship songs that express our desire to give our whole selves fully to God. But what I've been learning through um, Kelly Story's work is a way of looking at Romans chapter 12 that really honors the idea that our faith and trust in Jesus is to encompass our whole being, our body, our mind, our emotions. So we're going to get into that passage now and spend just a lot of time on verse 1, really. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Many of us have heard this verse lots of times. We often hear it taught as a spiritual metaphor, like spiritually giving our whole selves to God and the way we live, or a challenge to make sure the things we do with our bodies honor God, and those are really important. As Christians, we do want to give all we are to God in a spiritual sense, and we do want the things we do with our body to honor God in a physical sense. But I want to think about this a little differently, because when Paul said the word body, he meant your whole being, all that you are, including your body, your mind, your emotions, your will. And so for me, learning how to give my body to God, because of all he has done for me, means learning to love God enough to learn about the big, scary, complicated mess of emotions inside of me and the way they make me feel that I hate. I don't like feeling it. But if I'm going to offer my body to God, then I have to offer this part of myself too. So I've been learning about emotions and anxiety, how to feel it in my body and how to listen to them to figure out how I feel, why I'm feeling it. And as a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit and trying to become more like Jesus, I'm learning that I can invite Jesus into this scary place And let the Spirit speak to the emotions I'm feeling with truth and authority. And and this is what I mean by embodied faith. It's realizing that all the parts of me are me. I'm not just a mind. I'm also a body with tons of complex connections between the two. And Jesus wants me to offer all of that to him. So this morning, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And I know that you love Jesus, which means that I would imagine you're willing to do anything for him. So let me ask you this. Would you be willing to learn more about your emotions and anxiety? If you're like, "Um, I don't have any anxiety, Amanda. I'm fine all the time. You might really need to hear this. If, if you're excited about it, let's go. We'll make sure we un- mean the same thing when we say anxiety. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is an emotion with a very specific job. Anxiety is like a firewall or a barrier. It's an auto response that our brain throws to keep us from experiencing our real or core emotions like fear or sadness. So here's how it works. God made our bodies. God created us and God created us brilliantly. And so all of our different parts were made to work together fluidly as one. Our bodies and brains communicate with each other in tons of ways that we don't even realize. 
So let's say something happens in your environment, like the sound of footsteps, you know, coming up rapidly from behind. That sound might trigger a core emotion like fear. And you're not thinking cognitively like, I am afraid of those footsteps because I don't know who that is. Your brain just sends a signal to your body and suddenly you're tensed up, you know. That's because if someone was coming up behind you to hurt you, God designed your body to sense it before you can even think about it so that if you need to start running away from danger, your body is prepared to do that. But like most of the time, we don't actually have someone sneaking up behind us to try to kill us, right? So as soon as our body triggers this core emotion of fear, anxiety steps in to do its job. Anxiety's job is to push down your core emotions. Well, why would it do that? Well, in this example, it's like embarrassing if we scream and act terrified every time we get startled. And so anxiety helps us not to overreact. But in general, anxiety works to push down our emotions, to keep us from feeling our feelings. Well, why does it do that? Well, it almost always goes back to childhood, you know, what you learned about emotions in your childhood. So if when you felt sad or mad and you showed it when you were a kid and then your mom ignored you or got mad at you, you learned, without knowing that you learned it, that the people in your life that you need don't want you to show your emotions. Or maybe if you were taught you, that if you cried or, or showed your emotions that you were weak and being weak is bad. Or it could be that you did have a horrible, terrifying life experience at one time and any time now that big emotions get stirred up in you, you, feel, you don't feel safe and so anxiety pushes them down. Or maybe you're a person who has big emotions all the time, and it's overwhelming, and so you try to avoid feeling them. But the key to understanding all of this is that all, all of our emotions are physical in nature. This is why when we talk about our emotions, we have to talk about our body. You can't really have one without the other. Emotions show up in our bodies. That's how we know we're having an emotion. So we get a rapid heartbeat or a tight chest or sweaty palms or jumpy legs or fidgety fingers. And even though anxiety usually takes over and pushes down the core emotion, anxiety is also an emotion. So it shows up in our body in some kind of physical reaction. And something I only recently discovered is that when, you know, a thing happens and then it triggers an emotion, it bypasses the cognitive or thinky part of our brain and goes straight to the feely part of our brain, which means that if you suddenly feel angry or, um, you know, sad or just really anxious or disgusted, you actually can't help that. Your brain just does it. You didn't choose it and you don't really get a say in it. So you can go ahead and stop blaming yourself for feeling like a bad person or a bad Christian because you have feelings that you didn't mean to feel. It It's just how your brain works. The part that you choose, of course, is what you do with it. The moments between what you feel in your body and what comes out your mouth is the moment where the Holy Spirit can work, producing the fruit of self-control in us or gentleness or kindness or patience so that we don't say the thing that feels most natural to say. But getting back to our point, the emotion cycle is that something happens that triggers an emotion— 
our anxiety immediately kicks in. Anxiety immediately kicks in and pushes down the real emotion. And the energy it takes to do that starts producing physical reactions in our body, like tensing up or heart racing. We notice these physical signs and we don't like them. And so our defense mechanism or distractors kick in. And these are like really good ways to help us ignore our anxiety until we can't feel it anymore. I think nowadays it's mostly picking up the phone and scrolling until we're numb to everything. It might be overeating or undereating or cutting or procrastinating or being sarcastic or picking at our cuticles or picking on someone else or getting caught up in negative self-talk. And I think in this world that we're living in, so many of us have operated in anxiety for such a long time and have gotten so good at using our distractors that we never even stop to ask why we feel anxious or why we have to pick up our phone the second we feel sad or bored or why we feel slightly nervous and ill all of the time. And that's the cycle. Something happens and we feel some emotion and we're like, ew, I don't want to feel this way. I didn't ask for this. And anxiety is like, I got you, boo. And it starts shoving our emotions down. And then we feel the anxiety in our body. And we are like, is that the best you can do? I don't like how this feels either. And so we just, you know, pick up our phone. Start to scroll. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to be preaching a message right now. (laughs) But Paul told us, to give our bodies to God and let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. I think that offering our bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice would mean that our whole selves, including our emotions and all the ways they show up in our body, would be submitted to the authority and truth of Jesus And I'm sorry to break it to you, but there is no way that you can offer your whole self to God as a living sacrifice if there's this part of us that we won't even look look at. Because here is how it plays out. We're anxious now more than ever, chronically anxious. And we've gotten better than ever at distracting ourselves from anxiety. So we're like, problem solved. Thank you, TikTok. And this probably would be fine, Except there's a factor we haven't discussed yet. We struggle with sin all the time. By that I mean our interior brokenness, our selfishness, our desire to control, our pride, our neediness. I also mean the brokenness that has come upon us from what people have done to us, the ways that we're wounded. And what happens is we can't completely lock down our anxiety. So we find that we're leaking anxiety in our attitudes and in behaviors to the people around us in ways that hurt them and hurt ourselves and negatively affect our relationships. When we're shut down emotionally, we're preventing God from working on us in that area. And when we let our emotions run the show, we're acting like Jesus doesn't reign as king in our lives. We won't receive the healing and forgiveness that we need from God if we won't look at our areas of personal decay. And as you know, or I really, really, really hope you figured out by now, 
Just trying harder doesn't get us anywhere. And this is what God finds as an acceptable sacrifice that we would bring our deeply flawed character and the way the anxiety in us leaks out on the people we love under the loving authority of Jesus. And that is going to require you to offer your whole emotional self to God. So becoming more embodied in our faith is an act of worship. When we invite God into our places of fear and anxiety, instead of ignoring or controlling it, this is truly the way to worship him. It's one of the ways. When we reject the harmful beliefs about emotions and expressing emotion that we learned from our childhood, it's one of the ways that we worship God. When our anxiety flares up or an emotion of sadness or anger, instead of picking up the phone, we say, what's going on with me? That's one of the ways that we worship God. But I think at this point we have to start asking, like, how? How do we invite God into our anxiety? What does that practically mean? How do we worship God in a more embodied way? Paul goes on to tell us, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what are the behaviors and customs of this world in this specific area? Obviously, there's a lot of ways this can be applied. But in this area, for those of us who tend to distance ourselves from our emotions, the behavior and custom of this world is to decide that all this emotional stuff is dumb and pointless and live with a clenched jaw or tight shoulders or digestive problems because we're stressed out from managing an anxiety that we won't acknowledge exists. I'm fine. 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 This is my life for a long time. For those of us who tend to be emotionally expressive, we can let emotions rule our life and say whatever we feel all the time and then deal with the inevitable regret and shame that follows and fills our bodies with anxiety. And for all of us, the custom and behavior of this world is to find our own personal coping mechanisms and just run with them without even questioning or asking why. But Paul says that we can let God transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. That word let is important. Jesus isn't going to force you to start questioning your coping mechanisms or addressing your anxiety. But if you decide to pursue a more embodied faith, he can change the way we think. Because here's the thing. God made your body really, really good. God designed your body to tell you how you're feeling and why you're feeling it. God knew that our emotions would be complicated and confusing. So God made our bodies to be able to communicate with us and tell us how we're doing. Because you, who you really are, is not separate from your body. You are your body. You and your body are one. 
So let's start treating our body like it knows us really well and start asking it questions. And in that place, we can invite Jesus to do his work. And I'd like to suggest that the best way to get started with this is by being curious. We can learn to notice when we have a stronger reaction to something than we think we should. When we notice that, we can pause and ask, what's going on in me? What am I feeling? And then we can listen. We can ask the question, why am I acting this way? Or what am I even feeling right now? And then wait. If we listen, God designed our bodies so brilliantly And because we have the Spirit of God in us, that our body and the Holy Spirit will begin to work to tell us what's going on. So for me, when I notice anxiety in my body, I just kind of sense like a nervous energy running through me. And that makes my heart beat faster or my stomach not sometimes. If I pause and get curious about the anxiety I feel, I'll often realize that the emotion underneath is anger because that's kind of my go-to. It's really good. Then if I pause and ask myself, what am I mad about? I'll usually replay what just happened that upset me. And then I'll start to put together that I maybe feel insecure about some comment Justin made, or I feel ashamed about something I did. And I, I feel ashamed and I don't want to feel ashamed. And so I try to be mad about something or blame something on someone so I don't have to feel that. So sometimes there's even a couple layers I have to get through. But when I do, when I pause and get curious about why I reacted the way I did, I always feel better because I feel like I untangled the knot. It usually means that I have to repent to Jesus for a wrong attitude I had or repent to Justin, usually Justin, or whoever else. And it maybe means I have to work through forgiving someone. And none of that is fun. But I do feel more whole. I feel more peace. I feel more integrated, connected to my own body. And that feels better. And you don't have to have the Spirit of God living in you to go through that process. Anyone can do it. But if you are a Jesus follower, I wonder what depth of health And vitality we could have if we invite Jesus into our anxiety and emotions and then surrender to Jesus whatever the Spirit shows us. God wants to meet you in your emotions, in your body, in your anxiety, in your coping mechanisms. They are a place that can be offered up as worship. As Jesus gently invites us to give control to him, And we come under his loving authority. I know that like me, many of you were taught that your body was unimportant. Or just a vehicle to get you from one place to another. Some of you were made to feel that your body is bad. Many of us were taught to love God with our minds, but not really our bodies. Many of us were taught we were only supposed to bring our positive, happy emotions to God, but our negative emotions are ungodly. We should not ever feel sad or angry. And many of us were taught at home that it's not safe or good to express our emotions, so we learned to not even feel them. And many of you have told me 
that you have experienced a significant increase in anxiety since 2020. We are under pressure in many areas. We do not feel good. So we distract ourselves as much as possible and try to forget we even have a body. But God made your body brilliantly. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made our bodies to be the place where we experience our emotions. And God made our bodies to tell us what we're feeling and why we're feeling it. And so living a more embodied faith is inviting Jesus into our emotions, into our anxiety, and letting the Spirit show us what to do with them. So like we do every week, I want us to take our next steps now to see what Jesus might be inviting us into. So every week I ask you to reach um, to that seat back pocket in front of you and grab the Orange Connect card. That's a place where um, we ask newcomers to, to fill out a little information and give it to us. But on the back side, if you flip it over, it says, today my next step is. And I'm going to give you a couple ideas about what your next step might be. But you might already know what yours is. You can write that down. And then when you're done writing it down, you can take it with you and put it somewhere where you think about it a little bit more this week. This is a way to help us engage past Sunday with what God has been stirring in our hearts through the message. Or you can put it in the offering drop box on your way out the door, and our staff will pray for them this week. This last week was a real privilege. We got to pray for a number of of Next Step cards, and it was really neat to see what people were offering up to God as their next step and to pray for them. So your next step might be, this week, I will practice feeling my feelings. If you're a person who normally doesn't even know what you're feeling, this might be a good next step for you. Or I will notice what is happening in my body when I feel anxious. Or maybe it's, I will invite Jesus into my anxious moments. Maybe yours is different. Write that down and offer that up to Jesus. And you'll have a lot of time to keep praying over that as we head into our prayer ministry time. So I'm just going to pray over our next steps. Spirit of God, we need you. We praise you, Father God, for creating us so brilliantly, so fearfully and wonderfully. It's amazing how you made us. And Lord Jesus, we repent for the ways that we have denied the goodness of our creation when we shut down our emotions, when we have denied you entrance into part of our hearts and lives. We repent. We ask you to teach us a new way of being a way that sees your involvement in all of our emotions, in all of our anxiety. You're beckoning us to come near with them. We love you, Jesus. We want to offer our bodies to you, our whole selves to you, as a living and holy sacrifice. Would you teach us how to do that? Would you let this, this day, this moment, be the beginning of that journey for those of us who need to take it? In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, every week, you know, we go into our prayer ministry time at the end of the message, and we take a moment 
to look at the, the um, words that were presented in the prayer meeting. These are like prophetic words that we feel like the Holy Spirit told us that are for one of you sitting here today. And so if you, if you read those and you think, yeah, that does kind of feel like that matches me, we would like you to please let us pray for you. We have our prayer team in the back. They're ready to pray for you. They're excited to pray for you about any need you might have, something here on the screen that relates to you or something else. And then every week we also take a minute to just enter into God's presence by the Spirit and say, what else are you speaking to me? Or do you want to clarify something to my heart that you've already spoken? We also believe that this is a time of ministry for all of us. And so maybe as we wait on the Spirit, you'll sense that you have a prophetic word to share with someone. And if that happens, we invite you to go to that person and ask their permission to pray for them and share that. So if you're comfortable, just stand up right now or stay seated, whichever one is best for you. And we're going to stand. And again, if you're comfortable, hold out your hands in a posture of receiving. This is kind of part of being embodied, using our body to demonstrate what we're trying to feel or express. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and we'll wait quietly for about 10 seconds and then we'll go into our last song of worship. Holy Spirit, come. We wait for you. Would you speak now in different ways to us? Cause us to sense what you're saying or speaking. continue on in an attitude of listening. Please get prayer if you need it as we go into our last song.